I want to welcome you today to the third and final installment in our Christmas series of sermons that we have been calling Hark. We have every week in this series been leaning back into the verses of that classic Christmas carol, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, and doing a deep dive, if you will, because really the author tells us to stop and listen. That's what it means to hark, to lean in to the significance of an announcement being made. And as we've been unpacking this and unlocking this, we've been discovering the truth of God, the truth of his word, packed within this classic Christmas carol that we are to hark unto its message. And so we've walked through verse one and we've walked through verse two. But today, as we conclude this series, as we, for those of you joining us at church online or or watching this in some form of real time, as we get ready for Christmas Eve at Believing, as we get ready for Christmas Palooza 2023 even, we are going to lean in one more time to the words of this song to catch the announcement that it is we need. Now, here's the thing about most people. We love to make things all about ourselves that aren't supposed to be about us, don't we? It's natural for most of us. We love to somehow to find a way to work ourselves into the situation, to work ourselves into the plan, to make it really all about us when it ain't even supposed to be about us. People love to use the phrase, talking about my truth. That's a very funny phrase to me because really truth isn't based on you. It's based on truth. <laughs> Therefore, your truth might be the truth, but it also might be a lie. Therefore, it is not truth at all. But we love to somehow recalculate and return things to make things that aren't even supposed to be about us, about us. We make it about our preferences. We make it about our desires, our wants, our hopes, our feelings, because some of us believe that the greatest thing we can do, the greatest thing we can be in this life is to be someone who only does the things that we want to do. That's what some of us think the highest form of living is. That's what we think the the goal in life is to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. You know, that sounds like the key to being selfish, (laughs) but not necessarily the key to being great. I mean, some people do think that greatness is when you arrive at a space in life where you ain't got to do what nobody thinks, nobody wants, nobody says. You can do you, boo, whenever you want, however you want. But I have learned that the key to being great at whatever it is you do, is to realize that what makes you great ain't about you. If you were to deep dive into my Instagram algorithm, you know, the algorithm got you figured out, got me figured out too, right? It knows what you like and what you don't like. It don't matter what you say, it knows where you're spending your time. And one of the things that the Instagram algorithm might try to deduce about me that um, is partially correct, but then also completely incorrect, is it may view me as a barber. You'd be surprised how many of these barber, like these transformation haircut videos that like, I I just think it's crazy, man, when people come in all shaggy and crazy and then like they edge them up, clean them up, get that fade work and spin the chair around and boom, hey, look at them. That's awesome. 
I be watching those all the time. And the truth is, I am, um, I'm a very good barber of one haircut. This one, this all I got, right? I cut my own hair, I've cut my own hair for the better part of the last 15 years, all right? And I can, I can, I can give a buzz cut and not only give a buzz cut, I can kind of fade up the sides, kind of taper it in so everything blends real nicely. I can bleed you into a beard because I don't like that like hard line, how some people just be like, having a hard line. Like, you got to kind of blend it in, kind of fade it up. I can give that to you. But if I think my greatness as a barber is being able to give this one haircut, you might think differently if this ain't the haircut you want. You know what I'm saying? If you come to Michael's Barbershop in Mo, which doesn't exist, but if you come to Michael's Barbershop in Mo and try to get the haircut, we got one item on the menu. And that one item doesn't make me a great barber by any means. But some people live their lives thinking this way. Thinking that what makes them great is what they do. No, what makes you a great hairstylist, what makes you a great barber, is that whatever your customer wants, you can deliver. You know, communicators are given a, a, a often misunderstood character personality. I have learned, studies have been done on this, I've read books about that many of the greatest communicators in the history of humanity were introverts. That many of the people, maybe even that you are fascinated with listening to, that can hold an audience for hours on end with their oratory ability, are not people who just want to walk in and be the life of the party at every party. They are often introverted people who realize that when they stand on a stage or take a microphone and they have to present, whether it's the word of God or they have to present uh, a, a lesson, they have to teach a class, they have to host a seminar, they're uh, giving a TED talk, whatever it is they might be doing, they realize they have to step past their introversion into being the communicator for the good of those around them. It's not about what they want, it's about what others need. How crazy would it be if a chef decided, I'm just going to cook what I like. <laughs> Ain't going to worry about the taste of other people. I'm going to cook the way I want. Well, you may have some clientele, but if you forget that ultimately it's those eating from your cooking that are the beneficiaries, that are the ones who make you great, you'll never be a great cook if all you do is cook what you want to cook. You'll never be a great communicator if all you do is communicate in the way that feels most comfortable for you. You have to step into what is uncomfortable and realize it ain't about you. That's where the greatness lies, that it ain't about you. And if there's a group of people maybe watching online today, listening to this podcast, come on, leaning in today, harking, what we say, that really misunderstand this, it's people of faith. People of faith so often think that their faith is about them. That their relationship with the God of this universe is all about them. What could make you great in the kingdom of God? What will make you great as someone doing God's work here on earth is that when you realize it ain't about you. You know, one day you'll see that it's really not about me, but something that we are actually called to in verse three. Speaking of verse three, let's uh, lean into these words, shall we? 
Those of you who joined us before, you know I ain't about to sing verse 3 because singing's not what I do. But you're welcome to sing it at the house. You're welcome to sing it in the car. You're welcome to sing wherever, however you may be. Verse 3, Hark the Herald. You may not know these words as well. That's all right. Here's the way verse 3 of Hark the Herald, angels sing, is recorded. It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Come on, this is when the music gets big. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I want to unpack the entirety of this verse. But I must do so very quickly because ultimately the entirety of this verse really hangs on one word. But I can't get to that word until we unpack the entirety of it. So if you're ready to work today, somebody in that chat type, I'm ready. Because there's this echoing theme in this verse that's not to be missed. And I want you to see it right as we begin today. It's that God cares about you. Come on, wherever you are today, wherever you may be, however you may be, whether you feel like things are good in your life, not so good in your life, God cares about you. Light and life, this verse says, are coming to all. Healing is possible and it's available because he covered his divinity in humanity. He stepped into this earth and, and, and now new life, and not only new life, eternal life, is available to all people, not just good people, all people is available to. The Prince of Peace cares for you. The Son of Righteousness cares for you. Those names, though. The first line of this verse communicates some names, but they're really not just names. It says, hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. They're not just names. They are actually descriptions of Jesus pulled from Scripture. They're not fancy or poetic explanations crafted within the mind of Charles Wesley, Wesley the writer of this song. But they're realities of Scripture that are communicated to us. And they are significant. And they're promises and they are for you. Somebody needs to feel that today. That, that what I'm about to hear is for me. It's for me. It's for you, wherever you may be. It's for you sitting at the house. It's for you who've had a difficult week. It's for you who've come into the end of a crazy busy year. It is for you. And this Christmas, what I want to do is remind you of these promises for you. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, the song says. If you're taking notes today on our website, you're writing some things down, I would love for you to write this down. That Jesus is the one who is peace. Jesus is the one who is peace. I told you that the songwriter here lifts these ideas 
from the scripture. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 communicates to us this idea that he begins this third verse with. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Isaiah prophesying about Jesus some 700 years before he would be born. Isaiah communicates this reality saying for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here's the one that Charles Wesley decides to pull. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one who is peace. You know, our perspective on peace is so wrong and so small-minded because it is often entirely situational. Most people, probably you, I know myself at times, view peace as an arrangement of things. If things are in a certain order, if things are going a certain way, then I'll feel peace. We view peace circumstantially, that really peace is, to many of us, a set of circumstances. If things are happening, if business is good, if things are normal at the house, if, if ain't nobody in trouble right now, if all our bills are paid, then I have peace. We view peace, many of us, as this collection of outcomes. If all the stuff happens the way I want it to happen, the way I feel like I need it to happen, then we tell ourselves we have peace. It's your peace and quiet that you don't want disturbed, right? Why y'all mess with my peace and quiet? I was so peaceful till y'all came over to this house. It's the way some of us talk, right? It's the way some of us feel, right? That everything was good till we got interrupted. It's that music playing. It's the lights low. It's sipping on that coffee in your favorite chair. Oh, wait, that's my piece. <laughs> what am I talking about? That, that, that's, a, that's an environment that sounds good to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like peaceful. People will even say, maybe even you will say, something negative came by, something negative happened, and that thing happened, and it took your peace. The only reason it was able to take your peace is because you see peace incorrectly. You define peace as a way that is inconsistent with the way scripture defines peace. You know, people are on a search, they are on a quest to find peace. I dare you to Google how to find peace. Do it this afternoon, do it tonight, do it this morning, do it whenever, lean in and Google how do you find peace? Because you'll find everything from, oh, if you need your peace back, just go for a walk. If you need your peace back, just sit in a chair. If you just, if you need peace, journal your thoughts. If you need peace, don't write anything down. If you need peace, get some, get, get some friends around you. If you need peace, get by yourself. See what I'm saying? Google it. You will literally find conflicting and contradictory ideas. How can I have all the people around me and be by myself? <laughs> How am I supposed to write something down and not write something down? How am I supposed to think and then not think at the same time? How am I supposed to avoid people who have hurt me while also dealing with the hurt that people have caused me? What am I supposed to do to find peace? 
That's because the Google machine, while it is helpful in finding information, is often a terrible source of wisdom. And it does not know where to send you to find peace. Because its base understanding of what peace is, the base understanding of what our world will tell you that peace is, that peace is a situation, that peace is a set of circumstances, that peace is an outcome. Hear me today. Peace is not a predicament. Peace is a person. Peace is not some predicament you find yourself in. It is not some situation that makes itself available to you. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the prince of peace. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. When Jesus told his disciples he was leaving, they were nervous. It would have been very easy for them to feel like these last three years have been so amazing and all that we've seen. But, but Jesus, you're going to leave and, and maybe we're going to be stressed. Maybe we're going to be overwhelmed. Maybe our peace is going to go. But Jesus made them a promise. He said, my peace, I leave with you. Jesus knew that inside of everyone who believes that the spirit of the living God would dwell within them, that his peace would be with them because he is our peace. I need you to understand this today, friend. As long as you believe peace is a predicament, you'll never be satisfied with the person. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it slow because some of you would just, whoop, that's all right. Let me run it back. As long as you believe that peace is a predicament, that peace is a situation, that peace is an outcome, that peace is a circumstance, as long as peace is a number in your bank account, as long as peace for you is, is something that you can control, as long as peace is uh, that the certain number of friends being in your life, as long as peace is a predicament, you will never be satisfied with the person, with the one who is peace. I'm amazed at the amount of people who say they trust God, who say that God has changed their life. But you let one situation get difficult. Or better yet, you let the right situation get difficult. Because some people can handle a lot, of a lot of stuff relationally, but they can't handle nothing financially. As soon as something gets a little rocky financially, they throwing away God, gee, everybody. Like, I've done with all this. I have lost my peace. Some people can handle a lot of waves financially, but they can't handle, handle anything going on with their health. As soon as their health starts to go, it's like, oh. Lego plans get interrupted. You had plans for this year, plans for this season, plans for next year, plans for the first quarter. You had plans. Lego plans get interrupted and see what's going on with your peace. Because as long as you believe peace is a predicament, you'll never be satisfied with the person. Let things happen, but they didn't happen like you want. Then we will see how you see him. Is he your everlasting father? Or is he your ever-loving sugar daddy? Is he the all-sufficient one who is our peace? Or is he the one I just like in my life because of what he does for me? As long as you believe peace is a predicament, You'll never be satisfied with the person. Catch this. Once you believe peace is a person, 
You'll always be satisfied in any predicament. Once you believe and settle in your soul for good, that peace is not a set of circumstances, peace is not an outcome to things, but peace is a person. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It does not matter what goes on. You will have, you will know, you will live in peace. Because when you really know, when you really believe that he is your peace, it doesn't matter where you're at because he's with you. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament will make this statement in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I've learned the secret of being content. Some translations even say, I've learned the secret of being at peace, whatever the circumstances. And then he begins to describe them. He says, I know what it is to live with, with a lot. And I also know what it is to live with nothing. I know what it is to be well fed and I know what it is to be starved. I know what it is to have my bills paid and I know what it is to not have my bills paid. And I've learned the secret of being content. And then he tells us the secret. We just missed it. He says, the secret is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May I mess up your favorite workout verse just once and for all? Because I know some of you were told you can do all things through Christ at the gym. And that's why you got them last two reps in. Just, I can do all things. You got Bible verse. Boy, that's, that's cute, but that ain't what it's about at all. It's a reminder to you that you can have nothing under the tree to give or to receive and be at peace. You can have every luxury in this life and not be distracted by those things or by who your source really is. You can be at peace because I can have all this stuff or not have anything. I can do all this with him because my peace isn't a present. My peace is always present. My peace is not something that God does for me. My peace is not something that life brings to me. My peace is always present because he is the prince of peace and he lives inside of me because I believe. Jesus is the one who is peace. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. When we declare that, when we lean into that, we are being reminded that no matter where you may find yourself on today, peace can find you. No matter where you may be today, no matter what's going on, no matter how, how dark the valley is, no matter how low the bottom of this well may feel, can I tell you, you can know, you can have peace because peace can be with you always. In fact, that was peace's promise even to the end of the age. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, and then hail the son of righteousness. Jesus not only is the one who is peace, Jesus is the, please spell it correctly as it's on here on your notes, is the son who is righteousness, the S-U-N. This is a name. A characteristic put on Jesus, actually from the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 records these words. It says, for you who fear my name, those of you who 
have put your faith, you honor God. This is the, the word of God coming to people. For you who fear my name, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness shall arise, how? With healing in his wings. Have you ever um, changed the lyrics to a song? Like, like you really thought that's what the lyrics were? Because that's what you heard? But like that's what weren't, wasn't what the lyrics were? Can't even talk. Changing the lyrics to my talking. That wasn't what the lyrics really were? Y'all know that movie, The Little Mermaid, right? The classic Little, little Mermaid. The, uh, probably the most famous song in that movie is a little song called Under the Sea. Right? I love Under the Sea. Sebastian, man, come on. Under the Sea. And, uh, and, and whenever I have like sort of like tried to sing it or mess around, uh, Mindy makes fun of me. Because I'd be getting some lyrics wrong in that song. But I promise you, there were, there were years of my life where I was like, Mindy, I am right. I was wrong. <laughs> but I was like, I was dead set. I was right. But, but my lyrics sort of, sort of fit. But it did slightly change the meaning. And in fact, in changing the meaning, it sort of missed the message. I, I started thinking about this a little bit. And so I started, I started getting into a little, little wormhole, trying to figure out what songs do people uh, commonly get the lyrics wrong and it's like it's like a it's like a big deal and and and, and I, I was reading through a bunch of them some of them were funny and some of them were inappropriate I'm just gonna leave that there but um but I came across one that was really funny to me because it's amazing how one little slip of the of the word uh can can, can totally change the the meaning of this some of you will be way too young and you've never heard this song it's before my time but I've heard of this song there's a band called the monkeys and they had a song called I'm a Believer. And the, the like hook line in this song says, and then I saw her face, da, 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 da. now I'm a believer. But apparently there are people, even though this is the title of the song, I don't even know how you do this, but there are people who apparently have messed up this song and they thought what they actually said was, then I saw her face, now I'm going to leave her, which is a very different proposition altogether. One, 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 just a little phrase, just a little word, and it, it, it turns it to miss what's going on. People do this with this third verse of Hark, the herald angels sing. What we are to lean into, what we are to throw ourselves at and, and experience the wonder of people in their simplicity, people in their trying to make things understandable have made a change to one word. Really, it's just one letter, but it changes everything. They have tried to change S-U-N, sun, like a sun in the sky, to S-O-N, like father and son. And on one hand, it's understandable as to why. The problem is, is Charles Wesley in his mind as he's writing this is not making up names to sound poetic and flow with his lyrics. He is trying to pull people back to the truth of God's word. He's trying to connect people back to promises in God's word that are for them. Jesus is called the son, the S-O-N of God. He is called the son, S-O-N, of man. Jesus in scripture is never called the S-O-N 
of righteousness. Because what is that? But Malachi 4 does refer to him as the S-U-N of righteousness. And it makes a statement about him. It gives us a promise about the S-U-N of righteousness. That with him and in him, there is healing when you come to him. That in his wings is healing. That when you catch the radiance of the sun of righteousness, healing can be yours. See, this song declares a reality that you really should hark if you would believe it. And that's that God can heal. I'm going to say that again. That God can heal. This song is meant to be a reminder. This verse in scripture, this verse in Hark the Herald is meant to remind us that because of Jesus, healing is yours. Healing in your mind is available to you. You don't have to be wrecked in your mind. You can have soundness and sobriety and clarity in your thinking because healing is available to you. He's talking about healing in your spirit. Your spirit does not have to be beat down and downtrodden. It doesn't have to live that way. Your spirit can be healed. Your soul can be healed. Your body can be healed. Your future can be healed. Prophet Malachi's declaration can be our experience that Jesus heals. For all you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And if you find yourself touched by his radiance, if you find yourself in proximity to his wings, healing can be yours. In fact, I wrote it this way in your notes. You can write it down today if you want. Healing is not a possibility. Healing is a promise. Healing is not a possibility. Well, maybe he could, no, no, no. He paid the price so that healing could always Isaiah chapter 53 offers another prophetic announcement about Jesus, the Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness, who has healing in his wings. It says he, talking about Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. But remember, this is hundreds of years before this would happen. Prophetically, he is speaking this. He is pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Yes, our soul is healed. Yes, salvation is, our, our spirit is healed. But so is our body. His body was broken so your body could be made whole. He took upon himself every pain, every grievance, so that it doesn't have to stay on you. When you get close, when you get caught in the orbit of, when you get caught in the radiance of the sun of righteousness. He was broken so that you can be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. And so with that, friend, today, please understand, 
The question is not what can Jesus heal or what can't Jesus heal? Because by his wounds, we are healed. He can heal. He can heal you. If your mind is a mess, he can bring healing to your mind. Come on, if anxiety overwhelms you every day of your life, he can bring healing to you. If there is sickness in your body, pain in your body, by his wounds, you are healed. If there is sin in your life and it separates you from God right now, by his wounds, you are healed. He can heal anyone. He can heal all things. The question is not what can Jesus heal or what can't Jesus heal. The question is, what do you believe that Jesus can heal? What do you believe Jesus can heal? You say, what do you mean, Michael? I mean this, that the God you see is the God you get. The God that you see is the God that you get. Jesus asks one of his disciples, Peter, a very significant question that is asked to you and to me on a daily basis, on a situational basis, on a instance by instance, circumstance by circumstance, issue by issue basis. Jesus asked Peter, who is it that people say I am? And Peter gave him a great response. And then Jesus asked him the question that matters to you and me. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Because it don't matter who I am if you don't believe who I am. It don't matter what I can do if you don't believe I can do what I can do. It, it doesn't matter what sits within me, what sits upon me. If you don't believe it sits within me and sits upon me. Who do you say I am? Friend, you need to understand today that God won't heal what you don't see him healing. But he can heal anything you see him healing. The God you see is the God you get. That's why some of you have never gotten over that issue. That's why some of you have never gotten over how they hurt you. Because you don't believe God can heal that hurt. You've been carrying the same hurt around for 50 years. Some of you have been carrying the same pain around for five long months. And the reason you carry it is because you don't believe God can heal it. And so the God you see is the God you get. Some of you see a God who can save you in eternity but can't do nothing with your today. And that, friend, is the God you get. He is the son of righteousness. There is healing in his wings. But the God you see will be the God you get. Who do you say I am? See, some of you like God uh, fitting neatly and nicely in your little file folder that is a Sunday morning activity or a weekly tune into a sermon or at least some of the music I'm gonna listen to, or occasionally I'll read a Bible, or yes, Jesus is gonna be the reason for my season, I get you. That's who you say he is. 
but he's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings. That's who he is, but that ain't gonna be who you get if it's not who you see him as. And so you'll pray, but you'll never be healed because you don't want to be. Jesus asked a provocative question over and over again to people that I actually have assimilated into my life. Oftentimes I'll ask this when people try to put their heartaches and pains on me. I'll ask them the words of Jesus. Do you want to be well? What a beautiful question. Do you want to be well? Because Jesus understood, I know who I am and I know what I can do. But if you don't want to be well, I can't make you well. If you don't want to be healed, I can't make you healed. If you don't want to be through with this anxiety, I can't make you through with this anxiety. Some people would not know what to do with themselves if they did not have disorders and dysfunction to put on them. I am meddling way too much. I need to finish this Christmas sermon. The reason you ain't ever gotten over it is because the God you see is the God you get. His presence is peace, for he is the Prince of Peace. His radiance brings healing, because when I see the sun, I see. So what then are we to do with all of this? Are we to take it and hold it and use it and love it? Sure, but not exactly. Because you thought it was all about you, and it never was. The repeated word in the first line of this song gives us the reminder of what we are called to. The repeated word in the first line of this third verse of this song challenges us in what we are to do. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. It's a reminder that God cares for you. It's an announcement of who he is and what he can do. But the calling to you, the calling to me, is to hail, which means to publicly praise or show approval for a person or achievement. Our call to the one who is our peace, to the son of righteousness, who brings with him healing for your mind, healing for your body, healing for your soul, is to hail him, to publicly praise him, to lift his name up, to let our lives be a drink offering poured out for him, to let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart bring honor and praise and glory to his name. So when we gather, to clap our hands, to lift our hands, to celebrate. Even if you're joining us at church online, sitting in the bed, you can clap your hands where you are. You can lift those hands and publicly praise your God. But I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, oh, but I'm not really the, the, the worshiping type. I'm not really the, the praising type. I'm not really the clap my hands type. Okay, cool. <laughs> This ain't about you. It's about him. 
at some point you're going to have to realize that this life ain't about you. It ain't about what is comfortable for you. It ain't about what you enjoy. It ain't about what you want. It's about him. His purposes, his plans, his desires, his dreams, his work in the earth. It's about him. And worship, as it connects to scripture, is never a suggestion. It's a command. Lift your hands, the scripture says. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God. Not if you feel like it. Shout because he's good. Clap your hands because he's been faithful. Lift your hands because he is your help. He is your strength. And today, as I close, for those of you that feel a stirring but just don't know if it feels like you, I'll tell you this. If you'd praise him, you'd see him as your peace. Oh, if you'd really praise him. I'm talking about really let your mind be set and give your full heart, your full, everything you've got. You'd see him as your peace. You'd see him. Because how you see all you see would begin to change. If you'd praise him, oh, you'd see him as your healer. Because you'd recognize my help doesn't come from these places other people says their help comes from. My help comes from the Lord maker of heaven and earth. He is my peace. He is the son of righteousness in everything I need I can find under his wings. Lean into that. Lean into the announcement and hail him today. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you today. Thank you for these moments that we've been able to gather. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to bless your great name. And Father, I pray today that we would be a people who lift you up. We would be a people who shout your praise and your goodness. Not because we feel like it, but because we know who you are. We know where our help comes from. We know how good you've been. We know what you have called us to. So Jesus, in our praise, be pleased. And I pray even today for people under the sound of my voice who they haven't known you as peace. Be their peace. As they praise, show them that peace is found in your presence. Not in the predicaments that they craft for themselves, but in your presence. As they praise, let them know you as healer. I pray that you heal and you fix and you save and you deliver like only you can. We love you. We thank you for your gift to us. And now we pray that our lives would bring you honor and bring you praise because you alone are worthy. Jesus, we pray all this in your precious name and everybody said, amen.